Mahindan was flat on his back when the screaming began, one arm right-angled over his eyes. He heard the whistle and thud of falling artillery, the cries of the dying, mortar shells and rockets, the whole world on fire. Then another sound. It cut through the clamor so that for a drawn-out second there was nothing else, only him and his son and the bomb that arched through the sky with a shrill banshee scream, spinning nose aimed straight for them. Mahindan fought to open his eyes. His limbs were pinned down and heavy. He struggled to move, to call out in terror, to clamor and run. The ground rumbled. The shell exploded, shards of hot metal spitting in its wake. The tent was rent in half. Mahindan jolted awake. Heart like a sledgehammer, he sat up frantic, blinking into the darkness. He heard someone panting and long seconds later realized it was him. The echoing whine of flying shrapnel faded, and he returned to the present, to the coir mat under him, back to the hold of the ship. There were snores and snuffles, the small nocturnal noises of five hundred slumbering bodies. Beneath him, the engine's monotonous whir. He reached out, instinctive, felt his son Selian curled up beside him, then lay down again. The back of his neck was damp, his pulse still raced, he smelled the sourness of his skin, the raw animal stink of the bodies all around. The man on the next mat slept with his mouth open. His snore was a revving motorcycle. So close Mahindan could almost feel the warm exhales. He put his hand against Selian's back, felt it move up and down. Gradually his own breathing slowed to the same rhythm. He ran a hand through his son's hair, fine and silky, the soft strands of a child then stroked his arm, felt the roughness of his skin, the long, thin scratches, the scabbed-over insect bites. Selian was slight, six years old and barely three feet tall. How little space the child occupied, coiled into himself, his thumb in his mouth. How precarious his existence, how miraculous his survival. Mahindan's vision adjusted, and shapes emerged out of the gloom. The thin rails on either side of the ladder, Lamps strung up along an electrical cord. Outside the porthole window, it was still pitch black. Careful not to wake Selian, he stood and gingerly made his way across the width of the ship toward the ladder, stepping between bodies huddled on thin mats and ducking under sleepers swaying overhead, cocooned in rope hammocks. It was hot and close, the atmosphere suffocating. Hema's thick plait trailed out on the dirty floor. Mahindan stooped to pick it up and laid it gently on her back as he passed by. Her two daughters shared the mat beside her. They lay on their sides facing each other, knees and foreheads touching. A few feet on, he passed the man with the amputated leg and averted his gaze. During the day, the ship was rowdy with voices, but now he heard only the slap of the electrical cord against the wall everyone breathing in and out, recycling the same stale, diesel-scented air. A boy cried out in his sleep, caught in a nightmare, and when Mahindan turned toward the sound, he saw Kumaran's wife comfort her son. With both hands grasping the banisters, Mahindan hoisted himself up the ladder, emerging onto the deck, inhaling the fresh scent of salt and sea. He felt immediately lighter. From overhead, the mast creaked, and he gazed up to see the stars, the half-upper moon glowing alive in the sky. 
At the thought of Upham, doughy hot off the fire, his stomach gave a plaintive, hollow grumble. It was dark, but he knew his way around the ship. A dozen plastic buckets were lined up along the stern. He squatted in front of one and formed his hands into a bowl. The water was tepid, murky with twigs and bits of seaweed. He splashed water on his face and the back of his neck, feeling the grit scratch his skin. The boat, a 60-meter freighter, passed its prime and jerry-rigged for 500 passengers, was cruising through calm waters, groaning under the weight of too much human cargo. Mahindan held on to the railing, rubbing a thumb against the blistered rust. A few others were out, shadowy figures keeping silent vigil on both levels of the deck. They had been at sea for weeks or months.